glory, heaven, the rapture, the day of redemption, the redemption of our bodies, present with the Lord, to be with Christ, incorruptible, immortal, far better, eternal, to come, hope. The doctrine of glorification is vast and far-reaching. Far-reaching from its inferences in Genesis to the mystery of his will fulfilled in the dispensation of the fullness of times and beyond in the heights of Ephesians. The doctrine is precise as it teaches the places we will ever be with the Lord for eternity. In its description of God's glorious body made for us eternal in the heavens, immortal and incorruptible. All this and more packaged presently as our hope of which produces great power in the believer and the possessor of it. That is comfort, endurance, and patience. Welcome to the weekly Wholesome Words podcast where we examine the sound doctrine in God's word for the specific purpose to know Christ, gain the renewing of our mind, that we might prove his will in our lives and all things would work together for his purpose. I am Josh Strelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this episode, a refresher episode on the doctrine of glorification. There is so much to look at in the scriptures regarding the doctrine of glorification. We can not only deal with it in the sense of God's glory, we can also learn it in connection with how the scriptures teach it in its manifold way in regards to exaltation, looking at the specific glory in the kingdom that will be here on this earth, as well as the specific glory that will be in the heavenly places ultimately to be gathered together in Christ in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Yet there's so much to the doctrine of glorification that we won't be able to look at everything in regards to this refresher. But I do hope and pray that as we look at the things that we'll look at in this week's episode of Weekly Wholesome Words, that you do become refreshed when it comes to the doctrine of glorification, its nuances, as well as what it's able to effectually work in us in this life. I want to start by looking at Romans chapter 5. One of the things that I think is fascinating as we look at these refreshers and the ones we've already done, that of being justification, and sanctification, and now glorification, and to see how they relate, to see how they mingle together, and how they uh, coincide one with another, and where they do and where they don't. Glorification is obviously an issue that a believer is able to experience, having trusted the gospel. It is in that context in which the doctrine of glorification ought to fascinate our minds and our hearts to the point in which we would esteem it and come to learn all of the details of it. But that gets introduced to us right away in this epistle here in the book of Romans. When we're in Romans chapter 5, after we learned about the issue of justification unto eternal life, 
not being by any of our works, but by grace through faith and what Christ did and the faith of Jesus Christ, his, his merit, his work, that it has immediate implications upon glory and glorification. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here is not the very first time in which we're encountered with glory, but in regards to glorification, that which we're looking at regarding the life that is to come. It is one of the major places in which it first is introduced to us. It's on the backdrop of learning how one is justified by grace through faith specifically today in believing the faith of Jesus Christ that we are we come to know and are oriented with the issue of the glory of God and what we come to learn about the glory of God here and that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God therefore we have an expectation in the life that is to come to this glory is that we no longer have a, a dismal hope we no longer have this negative hope of the wrath of God, that which Paul spent uh, chapters before this dealing with. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. We are no longer at enmity or enemies of God, and therefore we have peace with him, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And therefore the basic fundamental principle of the doctrine of glorification is that we will not spend all eternity experiencing the wrath of God. Rather, we will spend eternity experiencing the glory of God. Let me give you one other place in which this is spoken of. A little different context, but in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, Paul brings this up. And he brings it up in light of those that have not responded to the gospel. They will be judged for their works, and therefore, they will be punished. They will experience the wrath of God for all eternity. And he says this in verse 8 of Second Thessalonians chapter 1. In flaming fire, speaking of Christ, <clears throat> taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which means they don't have the forgiveness of sins. He says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now here it's specifically dealing with the issue of the glory of his power. But we will not be separated for all eternity from the glory of his power. Rather we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the power of God and life with him. As we move further on, going back to Romans, one of the things that we come to learn about in connection with glory is that we will receive a new glorious body. Here in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit begins to bear witness with our spirit in regards to who we are in the family of God as the children of God. And as children, we have an inheritance 
And in this, there's glory. There's glory in regards to inheritance. This inheritance, although it has many dynamics to it and, and features to it, can be broken down generally into two main categories. That in regards to our new bodies that we'll receive, as well as the place of our abode for all eternity. Here he speaks of our inheritance, and our inheritance is with Christ. Not only that, but in connection with this inheritance, there's an aspect to it that can grow, that can exceed in glory. And that is ultimately that which will culminate to being glorified together with Christ. Beyond just receiving a new body, we will be able to be glorified together with Christ. Now, maybe we'll touch upon that here in a little bit, but he says as he goes on in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, the dimensions and the the detail of the glory that's going to be revealed in us and the glory in which we'll experience in the life that is to come as we will not be separated from the glory of his power is that of our new body and a new place and there can be a greater degree of glory manifested in the body based upon some things that he's experiencing here. But notice he brings it up here in the in, in context of the sufferings of this present time. Part and parcel of living in this life, the life that now is, is we experience sufferings. Part of the doctrine of glorification in regards to the details that we'll experience in the life that is to come is that we will not experience any more sufferings in so much that that reality and us believing that has ramifications upon the sufferings of this present time. So much so that they're not worthy, these sufferings of this present time, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's how spectacular it's going to be and how much it ought to impress us in our mind and in our heart. Part of that is delivering the creature from the bondage of corruption. And let me put it to you this play this way. In Ephesians chapter one, he talks about that we are all we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Is that our vocational calling is to deliver the heavenly places from the bondage of corruption that God subjected them to, and he's going to utilize us to deliver them. Thus, our place of abode where for all eternity is going to be the heavenly places. That is part and parcel of the doctrine of glorification as it specifically relates to our vocational calling in the dispensation of grace in which we live. Not only that, the place which we will dwell for all eternity is going to be experienced in a new body. He says this in verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we are ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. There's going to be a redemption of our body. In fact, this is what Paul speaks of when he writes in Ephesians 
chapter 4, when he says in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That day of redemption is also spoken about in Romans chapter 13. When he says in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. There is a day of redemption, a day of salvation in which we will not be saved from the debt and penalty of our sins, but we will be saved from this present evil world. We'll be saved from these mortal bodies, these bodies that still have sin in them. We'll be saved from the sufferings of this present time. We'll be saved from this world. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to manifest itself in a new body. The day of redemption aligns itself with the redemption of our bodies. This is what Paul spoke about earlier on in Ephesians in chapter 1 when he says when he says there in verse uh, 13, in whom ye also trusted after, ye, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We're going to be an extension of his glory in the life that is to come when we receive the redemption of the purchased possession. Our inheritance. The place of our abode for all eternity, the heavenly places in a new body. Now this body is absolutely spectacular. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we learn of some of its power. Here he's speaking about the resurrection of the dead. In verse 42, he says, It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And he goes on, How we have borne the image of the earthy, we, are, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, and that this body, this flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. And we must put on incorruption. This corruption must put on incorruption, and this immortal must put on, I'm sorry, this mortal must put on immortality. Death must be swallowed up in victory. What a wonderful thing. One that we will not be separated from the glorious uh, power. We will not be separated from the presence of the Lord. We will not experience the wrath of God for all eternity. We will not experience His justice against our sins. We will not experience vengeance upon us. But rather we will experience the presence of the Lord. Rather, we will experience the glory of His power and we'll do so in the heavenly places and we'll do so in an incorruptible, immortal, new body. And what I want to share with you 
to end this refreshers two things is that the day of redemption the day of salvation the redemption of our bodies our bodily resurrection whether it be when we're dead or we are alive is packaged in a doctrine of our hope it's part and parcel of our hope our future uh, 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 an expectation an earnest expectation of a future event a future time and the reason why this is so significant and why I want to move into it although I'm sure we'll do a refresher on our hope at one point in time and we'll look at these things once again is that I want you to see that that hope the glory of God the detail of it the doctrine of glorification packaged in our hope is designed to effectually work in us in this life those realities are to effectually work when we walk by faith and not by sight when we walk as in the day and not as in the night what are they supposed to work? Well, I'm going to give you three. He says over there in Romans chapter 5, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He echoes that with further resounding doctrinal detail in Romans chapter 12 when he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. And therefore, there's another one, that our hope becomes a force to be reckoned with, yea, excellency of the power of God in suffering that produces and manifests one of his most glorious elements of his power patience the doctrine of our hope that is derived from the doctrine of glorification is designed to effectually work in us patience and one last one consolation comfort and peace the doctrine of hope that is derived from the doctrine of glorification produces a rejoicing a joy a, a consolation a, a comfort and peace and patience a patient endurance it is such a powerful thing especially as we come to know the detail and the last thing i want to leave you with and i want to leave it with you as the last thing because I think it's the most important we must never and I want you to listen carefully we must never separate the doctrine of glorification from the one in whom provided it to us and for us when Paul speaks to the Philippians he is such intimate verbiage to communicate the veracity of the glory but its attachment to the Lord of glory he says in Philippians chapter 1 he says for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain and he reveals more of what that gain is he says in verse 23 for I am in a strait betwixt two, having desired to part, and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
we must be able, in light of the doctrine of glorification and the Lord of glory who provided it to us with all of its details, and the promise that it is and the hope that it becomes, and the effectual power in which is to produce in the believer, the one who walks by faith and not by sight, is to realize that it is the Lord of glory that produced it, and to be with him is far better. Paul says he is confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul's looking to see and to be in the presence of Christ, to put off faith and put off hope and experience in sight the glories of the heavenly places the glories of our new bodies but the glory of seeing the Lord of glory well I hope this refresher was of help and until next week look up